Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, like the Stones say, hey, you, get off my cloud. Welcome to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition, where the music references may be old, but the opinions and the sports information are always new. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G., Coming to you from the studios of 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So glad to have you along. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk a lot about the futures of both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and why, if you're an OSU fan, you need to be getting ready for the golden age of Cowboy football because there's a holy triumvirate there that mirrors what happened at OU with Bob Stoops that... I think as long as they stay intact, OSU is going to have a chance to compete at a very high level. We'll talk about OU and their uh, continuing to just pour money into facilities to compete with the SEC and who might be the most important person in the OU program and who might be the most important hire that Britt Venables made when he took over that job. Uh, We'll get into some things Lincoln Riley said about Bob Stoops that were very interesting. And our good friend, Pete Mundo, ranked the new Big 12 cities in order of road trip destination. I'm going to tell you why he got that order wrong. And there's a clear first place that he put way too low. So we'll get into that today. Uh, My name is Eric G. I'm the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal Tulsa. Please download our app uh, to your phone via the Google Play or the Apple App Store. And listen to us every day from 11 to 2. I would appreciate that. All right, let's jump into it. Three articles this week came out via ESPN Plus that had some really good information about OU and OSU. And I know that if you're an OU fan, you're about to get the ESPN Plus subscription if you haven't already. And I'm sure like most people with ESPN Plus, you've probably delved into more video than you have into the articles. Well, this week, the articles are certainly worth looking at. And the first one... I want to discuss is the one that was supposedly taking you inside to Brent Venables taking OU from a program that goes to college football playoff games and gets beat to eventually becoming a national champion. And really, there wasn't all that much new information. I mean, Brent Venables is is giving you the same cliches that he's giving everybody else in articles right now. And, and look, if that drives you nuts because catchphrases do drive me nuts, don't be too hard on Brent because one, he hadn't coached a game yet. And when you're searching for content, you've got to repeat some of the same stuff over and over, which that was repetitive in and of itself. Uh, but more importantly, his main job right now is to sell the program and keep talking about his vision for the program. And the first thing about this article that really jumps out and catches your attention or or the stuff that maybe you didn't know about is the fact that once Brent Venables jumped on campus, OU automatically spent or wrote a check for $2 million in facility upgrades. And it doesn't go into detail what those upgrades are, but we were discussing today on our show, Coach Jones and I, that one of the things Brent Venables really wanted to see was more commitment to the academic side from OU and that in certain areas of student help that OU had fallen behind. And so for $2 million, that's certainly something you can get done. But that's not where OU was going to stop because right now, and this is the second part that just knocked your eyes out, 
is there's a study going on in Norman that is going to determine whether or not OU builds a brand new football facility or just upgrades their current football facility, which, by the way, is only five years old. And I've been lucky enough to be in that facility several times since it opened. And honestly, for the exception of the carpet that that goes down the ramp or the carpet that leads to the field, which is kind of torn up and, and gnarly and it's usually covered with dirt. I mean, heck, it's cleats. You're on a field. How clean can you be? Everything still looks brand new. Nothing about that place looks out of shape. And look, just to kind of give you a little bit of behind the scenes if you've never seen it, uh, the minute you walk in the front doors, and we don't usually go that way for, for football games as media. We go in kind of the back way so we can get into the to the team meeting room. But you walk in those front doors as a recruit or recruits parents, you're going to see Big 12 championship trophies, bowl championship trophies. There are two, I always get vertical and horizontal screwed up, but I think there are two horizontal screens that just have more recent OU highlights on repeat because it's there. It's it's that front door telling you that this is OU. It's a great football program and you need to go here and Look, state-of-the-art weight room, state-of-the-art workout facilities that certainly get guys prepared for the NFL, which I'm sure you may have had a chance to gander at when you've watched Pro Day uh, via the internet or whether it's been on on Bally Sports. I mean, they've got all their All-Americans highlighted, the guys in the NFL, jerseys, etc. I mean, it's it's great. It's also functional. There's an awesome training table there. There's hot tubs. There's cold tubs. I mean, it's, it's everything you want, but Brent Venables, and Joe Castiglione, they know that's not enough. They know in order to compete with the SEC, and Brent coming from Clemson, which at one point was considered to have the best football facilities in the country, isn't going to stand by and let you just go, okay, this is good enough, make this work. No. As he says, make it player-centric. And to that, the most important person that he has hired to help OU get over that hump is Thad Turnipseed, who was at Alabama when Nick Saban was there and helped Nick Saban lay the foundation for what Alabama has become. And once Nick Saban kind of said, all right, I can take it on my own, Turnipseed ended up going to Clemson. And that's where he and Brent met. And we've seen what Clemson has become under Dabo Sweeney. So you figure those two guys with that knowledge, combined with a Joe Castiglione, who's already helped OU rebuild the football program as Bob Stoops took it over from John Blake and you know what Brent Venables is taking over from Lincoln Riley. You figure those three guys are probably smart enough and persuasive enough to get the donors to continue to write checks. And anytime you need something, all you have to do at this point is say, hey, do you want to be better than Alabama? You want to be as good as Alabama? And, and that should come with, at minimum, a six-figure check or multiple six-figure checks. That's why you don't worry about Oklahoma going into the SEC if you're an OU fan. And that's why a jump sooner rather than later would actually benefit the program more than hurt it. It's because there's just way too many smart people. It's not just that people, it's not just people wanting them to succeed. It's smart people that want them to succeed. Smart people that have seen other places do it or helped other places do it and now want to get Oklahoma. 
to not only where they're as good as those programs, but even better in those better than those programs if that can be achieved. So you're in good hands. And this this whole idea, I don't and maybe you didn't see the, this article on CBS Sports where OU and Texas may jump as early as 2024 to the Southeastern Conference. Now, for everybody involved, Big 12, OU, Texas, it would be a lot better if OU and Texas left after this season and joined the Southeastern Conference in 2023. And I have no reason to not believe um, Kerry Burdock, who works for WWLS in Oklahoma City and runs Sooner Scoop, when he says on our station, which, by the way, we carry the morning animals as well, that OU would like to stay in, in the Big 12 a little bit longer. And he didn't necessarily say why, but I guess the thought is is that if you're you're not ready to compete in the SEC and get a few more wins under your belt in the Big 12, and then you can roll into the SEC ready to be a true threat versus end up 8-4, and 7-5 and five in the first couple of seasons. But while I'll argue against that, and if, if Joe Castiglione was sitting in front of me having this conversation, my point to him would be, right now you're just selling the idea of the SEC. That's all you're doing. You're just you're, you're selling it. And if you're recruiting a kid who's also being recruited by Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss, and you're telling them, hey, if you come here, we'll eventually come back. You'll have the opportunity to compete in the SEC. Of course, I'm assuming this kid's out of Mississippi. We're going to give you that opportunity. We've got a better history than Ole Miss. Well, if you're Lane Kiffin, you just turn around and say, okay, when did they tell you they were coming to the SEC? You want to play in all these historic rivalries. This is the conference you've all always dreamed of. Well, by the time they get here, you may be in the NFL. So why wait? Come join us now. Having that SEC on the sleeve of your shirt or having it on the collar of your shirt to go along with that OU logo and kids knowing they're actually going to participate in that league is going to help you immensely in recruiting, even if you have to take it on the chin for a few years. Now, for Oklahoma State, talk about talk about a godsend at this point. There was an article. Again, go back to articles that I'm, I'm telling you about. But again, why they're important and why the information pertains to you as the fan. ESPN Plus has put Oklahoma State in a – they basically put them on a list with three other schools of why they're about to make the jump into elite status. And the main reason they're, they're talking about is a, a situation very similar to what used to be at Oklahoma with Bob Stoops, David Boren, and with Joe Castiglione. You've got a football coach, an athletic director, and a president who – Will all three work together? And more importantly, or most importantly, that athletic director and that president want football to be successful. And we all know that Oklahoma State's huge problem for a long time is they didn't care enough about football. And they were going to put the money into the non-revenue sports or the Olympic sports to give the illusion that they could compete with OU. And you've got Oklahoma State fans running around this week. Well, look at all the bandwagon OU baseball fans. Yeah, it's because OU fans, they care about football more than anything else. And yeah, they're bandwagon because their team went to the College World Series. That's just how they roll. But if you could have that same kind of success at football, wouldn't you kind of feel that way? Wouldn't you trade all that success in baseball and in wrestling 
for an opportunity to have a legitimate shot to win a football national championship. Well, that's exactly what this triumvirate is going to give you at Oklahoma State in the near future. One, we know about the renovations that they're going to make at Oklahoma State. But most importantly, and why this is going to be so why this is going to be so successful at OSU. And as this article pointed out, and this is something that we've talked about ad nauseum on our show, Mike Gundy's still around. Mike Holder isn't, and neither's Boone Pickens. And it was basically Holder and Pickens versus Gundy a lot of the times. It made for a contentious relationship, which when you think about, yes, Boone poured a lot of money in, but if you're constantly fighting with the head coach or constantly trying to undermine him, that doesn't normally lead to success. So in a way, Mike Gundy had a lot of success in spite of what was going on behind the scenes in Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And we always talk about Texas and bag on them about how they destroy programs behind the scenes. That could have easily happened in Stillwater. Mike Gundy didn't let it. Okay, and now that you've got these three ready to make football great, you're in a really good situation. You're in the best situation Oklahoma State football's ever in. Now it's just a matter of scheduling. And when you schedule at Oklahoma State, and this is something Pat Jones will tell you, schedule to win. Don't play OU for the first few years. They're out of the Big 12. Wait a while on that if you want to play Bedlam at all. Make sure you schedule yourself some wins. Look, if you want to play Arkansas, play Arkansas. Always play Tulsa, but then have yourself one of those guaranteed wins, depending on whether or not you're doing two or three non-con games. But your job is to win. Make those non-con games as winnable as possible. Mike Gundy will definitely do that. Um, And I think this is something that Mike Gundy has said. He doesn't want to jump into the ring with Alabama every single year or jump into the ring with a a team like Auburn. Once every few years is great, but for the most part, give yourself some confidence. Give your team a chance to be healthy going into the conference situation, and you'll be just fine. The other thing that I think is probably the biggest difference I see with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, maybe, look, and I'll admit I'm wrong. I could be wrong about this, so take it with a grain of salt. It kind of feels like for Oklahoma State fans or Oklahoma State supporters, when it comes to football, build it and they will come. Where if it's OU, it's, hey, we're already here, but let's go ahead and build it as well. So you win, you start racking up some conference championships where, I mean, at worst, I don't know if you can necessarily be the Big 12's dominant program, but at worst, you're on an even playing field with everyone out there. BYU's going to be tough to compete with because they've got a lot of money, they're going to have the biggest stadium, and they're somewhat of a national brand, but you're going to be that far behind them if you're behind them at all. I mean, this is it. This is everything Oklahoma State fans have been waiting for. And of anything, um, the excitement to just get there and get OU and Texas out and welcome in the Cincinnati's and the Houston, for that, you've got to be chomping at the bit to a certain extent. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, what did Lincoln Riley say about Bob Stoops that had us going, hmm, we'll tell you. Over the past few weeks, Lincoln Riley has been going through the car wash talking to uh, any national any national publication that's willing to believe his BS about not running away from the Southeastern Conference, but 
running towards USC, blah, blah, blah. Look, dude, you, you still ran a soft program and came up woefully short at OU of what the fans' expectations were, which was to win a national championship. However, give Lincoln Riley a little credit for doing a deflection that, that made you kind of pause and go, hmm. And that is, he was asked about what did it feel like when Bob Stoops said Lincoln Riley didn't invent OU football? And Lincoln Riley's response was, well, Bob was an OU guy, and he got close with a couple of schools, but ultimately stayed at Norman. And, and I'm paraphrasing there. So now you're thinking as an OU fan, all right, A, what schools? And that obviously isn't going to be divulged. I don't even know if it's divulged in Bob's book uh, that he wrote a few years back. But, okay, so he didn't leave. What was it that made him stay at OU? Which is a much easier answer. First of all, A, we don't know what close means. Does close mean that Bob's agent talked to these cats? Uh, Bob talked to them. I mean, Lincoln says that he never spoke with any other school but USC. But his agent spoke to other schools. It just never got that far. So however close was, close was. But for Bob, as we're talking about, the easy answer is that working relationship with Joe Castiglione and David Bourne. It made all the difference to him in so many different ways. And think about this for a second. When you leave one job to go to another, you've got to, I mean, once people know what you are, you don't have to impress. But when you have to re-impress Everybody from your bosses to the fans to the people that write checks, that can be a little much. And think if you think about Bob's tenure, there were times where we, the fans, were not very happy with the results OU was getting, but he was never seriously on the hot seat. And had you left for just throwing, you know, schools out there in the ether, Notre Dame, Florida, which were two that always came up. He could have found himself on the hot seat, and you could have ruined your reputation as a coach. So ultimately, at no point was it ever worth it for Bob Stoops to make the move. Whereas Lincoln Riley, it's kind of like no no risk, no reward. Because I think he knew at OU, he was only going to get so far. And in the SEC, if you're not competing for championships or you're not competing for the to go to the SEC championship, eventually he was going to get fired. At USC, you've got a better chance to dominate because you are the pre, you are the premier school out there. You're close to California. Uh, the competition is about the same, maybe a little bit better than what you were facing in the Big 12. But you can do exactly what you did at OU and probably not face the heat because eventually OU fans were going to get tired of getting beat in the playoffs. I don't know that USC fans will. Maybe they do, but maybe they don't. And I have said it before, I'll say it again. I think Lincoln Riley will be just as successful at USC as he was at OU, and that will garner him zero, zero national championships. Uh, As for the Big 12 and what's coming up around the corner, we know in 2023, there are going to be four new schools here in the Big 12. So that means new road trips, new places for you to go. And our fearless leader, Pete Mundo, ranked ranked one through four the best places for you as a fan to go for a road trip. And at number one, he's got Provo, Utah. Um, having been lucky enough to be in the Mountain West, I can tell you that Utah's a beautiful state, um, although I've never been to Provo. Uh, the, the stadium, 60,000, you're surrounded by mountains. Yes, it's beautiful. But unless you're into Fresca and... 
unless you're not into much of a nightlife, unless you go to Salt Lake City, Provo is not the most exotic destination uh, that you can pick out. Orlando's another one that he had. Um, from everything that I have heard, it can only go based on what I was told. Um, well, apparently that's an erector set stadium. And again, it's Orlando. It's landlocked. So it's not like you can go to the beach and no one can afford to go to Disney right now. Look, unless you are making six to seven figures, nobody can afford a Disney vacation. So where does that leave? Well, your top two destinations should have been easy all along here. It's either Cincinnati or Houston. And Houston is number one. Here's the reason Houston is number one. First of all, major metropolitan area, plenty of places to eat for any particular kind of food you want. And you're not, I'm not talking about the chain places, although highly recommend Papados, order off menu, get the crawfish trio. But there are a lot of hole-in-the-wall places in Houston for barbecue, Cajun, you're close enough to Louisiana, um, all sorts of great seafood. So many places to go, nightlife. You can't even begin to scratch the surface of nightclubs and dance places and just bars. I mean, just bars you can go and hang out. Plus, because it's a major city, it's a professional sports city. And no, yeah, the stadium that University of Houston is at is only 40,000. Maybe you play in NRG, which is cool. Which NRG, been there a couple of times. Very cool place to see a football game. Not so much basketball, but football, yes. But... With Houston, you've got the Rockets, you've got the Texans, you've got the Astros, and depending on what time of year you are going to see OSU play Houston, then you could probably you could catch any one of those teams. You could make a heck of a weekend out of it. Much more exciting, much more fun than Provo. Same with Cincinnati. You've got the Bengals and the Reds. You've got Skyline Chili. I mean, what is there to, seriously, what is there to eat in Utah? When has anyone ever said, hey, I want to go to Utah for its culinary delights? Come on, Utah's a great place for mountain climbing. It's got some very scenic views, but for fat guys like me, we want to go someplace where we can eat. We want to go someplace that's known for the food. So clearly the order should have been, and only been, Houston 1, Cincy 2, We'll give BYU three, again, history and tradition, and then we'll uh, throw in Orlando four. Okay, so not to bag on the new cities all that much, but, I mean, if you've been you know road tripping in the Big 12 for years, you know there's a lot of great places to go because there's a lot of really good college towns like Manhattan, Kansas. Um, I always rave about Stillwater for anyone that's never been there. Nah, Stillwater's a hell of a college town. Um, KU's not that bad. KU an awful lot. You know, Lawrence and Norman. Almost sister cities, kind of the way that Manhattan and Stillwater are. Never been names. Lubbock, <laughs> you watch out in Lubbock uh, because <laughs> you could Lubbock. You could you could end up in somebody else's motel. Now Lubbock is is got a really good reputation. Waco, eh? Waco, I look. I always try and stay in, in Dallas and then make the trip down. You know, the day before that, Fort Worth. Fort Worth's a good city, but uh, look, Big 12's fantastic for road trips. But again, the ranking of these new ones, Houston, Cincy, let's go Provo, then we'll go Orlando, all right? Just just to be fair. Real quick, um, by the time you listen to this, Baker Mayfield could be a Carolina Panther. Uh, those rumors are still out there. The Panthers apparently want to make a move, and the hang-up is st- – they want to make a move to get him in by the time minicamp rolls around. 
problem is it's still the money. It's it's always about the money. But Baker, do not eat any of your contract. You force the Browns to pay you every dadgum dime they owe you because they are in a hell of a mess right now. Why should you suffer from it? Forget them. Screw the Cleveland Browns. All right, that wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And uh, as the great Diamond David Lee Roth was quoted, yeah, stay frosty. <laughs>